0: Welcome to the Blazing Ember Podcast, where we aim to amplify the voices of Latino professionals. We, Diana and Maria, founded this podcast to explore unspoken rules and all the ships, leadership, mentorship, sponsorship, and allyship with Latino leaders.
1: We are here to ignite your path to success with valuable insights. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos.
0: Hello and welcome. Today we're in for a treat. Black History Month is celebrated every February and it honors the contributions and sacrifices of African-Americans in the United States. The tradition began in 1926, so that's a long time ago, (laughs) when the second week of February was set aside and it coincides with the birthdays of President Abraham Lincoln and abolitionist
1: Frederick Douglass. Diana, can you tell us a little bit about our special guest? So our very special guest today is Paula Edgar. She is the CEO of PGE Consulting Group, which is an organizational strategy firm that specializes in educating and training on professional development and diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's also a very popular keynote speaker and facilitator. And she does a bunch of live and virtual presentations for all industries and all sorts of clients. I've had the privilege of getting to know Paula since she's also a native New Yorker and she's just an activator. She makes change happen. And the thing that I love the most about, and I think we both love the most, right, Maria, about Paula is how authentic she is, right? Once you meet Paula and you get to know her a little bit, that is the Paula that you are going to see over and over. And maybe you'll even get a glimpse of how even more fabulous she is in her daily life. So we are so honored to have you here with us today, Paula. So let's talk a little bit to before
0: you became CEO and before you became the fabulous Paula, but you were the fabulous Paula before too. (laughs) So when I met you, I think your business was starting. It was like a few years maybe. So tell us a little bit about your trajectory. I know you were a lawyer, and as many of us know, lawyers don't always stay as lawyers. Mm-hmm. And the skill sets that you gain allow you to do many other things, right? So talk about that, your experience. Why'd you go to law school? Why'd you start this sure. company?
2: First of all, thank you for having me on with you all today. I'm very excited. To be with two of my faves and to talk about something that's really important to me, which is the impact of the African American community and my personal impact within that space and why I do the work that I do. So, in order to talk about where I am, I have to talk about where I've been. And I decided that I was gonna go to law school because our family was impacted by tragedy. And in 2001, September 11th, I was actually not living in New York, I was living in California with this guy that I didn't like, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway. um, (laughs) Over drinks. Exactly. And so that Tuesday, my mother was in the towers. And so I was in California on the West Coast when I found out that 9-11 was even happening. And I remember we had just gotten a big screen television. And so I saw it in sort of live action. And for those of you who were, who've seen footage even, that the footage was live, Mm -hmm. right? And so... It was, for all of us as Americans, devastating. For me, obviously, my mother and the lawyers who helped our family with my mother's estate plan, with navigating the Victims' Compensation Fund, just in general, with everything, they were so profoundly helpful. They really made sure that our family felt taken care of and safe, for lack of a better term. And during that process, they kept saying, gosh, you've been so helpful. My father obviously was going through a lot. I've been having lost his wife. My sister, who's my younger sister, was also experiencing a lot of trauma. She was 16. And I was the one who was the point person for most of it. And they were like, you might want to think about going to law school. And I was like, child, anybody got time for law school? What? I wasn't <laughs> thinking, about, thinking about law school. But I did want to have the experience of being helpful to people mm-hmm. to help them feel to be, have the same experience that we had in terms of feeling better than we had before we were navigating with them, and so that's why I decided I wanted to go to law school. And I went to the fabulous city of City University of New York uh, School of Law, CUNY, and the experience there was very different than what you uh, may hear typically about law schools. In that, it's a public interest law school; it's the number one public law school, public interest law school in the United States. And the ethos there is very much helping. It's very much like collegial and very much like family. And so that meant my trajectory going into the law was very different than I think some people who sometimes they describe law school as very cutthroat. (laughs) I was like, well, I love law school. I went there. I I had my daughter or I got married my first year of law school to my fabulous husband of 21 almost years. I had not my, the guy
1: in California.
2: Not the guy in California child. That's a mm. anyway. Um, the, the, the my daughter, I had my daughter in my second year of law school. And then I we bought a house in my third year. So I always tell law students, I did it the wrong way, but I did it the right way for me. God, um, every
0: year had additional strength. exactly.
2: Exactly. I was trying to impact my tax bracket each year. <laughs> um, all right. But after practice, after graduating and taking a bar and passing it first time, thank you very much, I quickly realized I I was practicing labor and employment law that I didn't love what that felt like. I was like, "Eh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And much to my husband's chagrin, I came home one day from work (laughs) and I was working for uh, a city agency doing labor and employment law. And I said, I quit today. He was like, why, why do you keep doing it? Why are you like this? But one thing about me is that I can't stay in small spaces. I have never been somebody who has wanted to be or play small. And when situations that I'm in try to force me in that space, I then roll out. And I said, I'm going to work at different law schools. I worked for PALS, which many of the folks who are on who are lawyers, if you're in the New York City area, you may have known me from that. I know a lot of people from that time which is a nonprofit that helped minority law students. And then I, wa- I worked at three different law schools. And the last law school I worked at was in the role as chief diversity officer. So that whole time when I was navigating the law and sort of the, per- the periphery and the pipeline, I was also becoming very ensconced in the work of bar associations and, and how they can be a place for convening a place for learning, a place for ideating and being innovative. And so the things that I learned about associations, plus the positions that I had, they led me to opportunities often for people to say, oh, can you come in and talk about these things that you learned? Or these things that you have, Diana, I gotta see you.
1: Because I'm having a flashback. as somebody who Mm -hmm. went to a couple PALS events, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't put my finger on it exactly when I met you, but I was definitely a young, like, Mm -hmm. boy, somewhere between year one and three, which would put Mm -hmm. us around... I don't know, 2013, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. And I can't recall if you were one of the first people I saw working mm-hmm. on doing headshots. For- <laughs> <laughs> oh, With and you. you? Fascinating. Yeah, so it was you. Oh my <laughs> god! Wow, this is awesome. Because you're speaking and I didn't know. I mean, I remember like meeting you. At, at an event, but I couldn't like put my finger on it. And mm-hmm. I just remember that time period and, and being like, you got a headshot at a law firm, right? Mm-hmm. Because they put your bio up. Yep. But you were doing headshots for people who weren't at law firms, right? Just yep. giving that idea. I think you were talking about that kind of topic of how do you get yourself out there? How do
2: you? Yeah. It's branding, baby. It's branding, it's branding. branding. I, yeah. I, I, this not despite, but in addition to all the things that I've learned and I know, I've always known from when I was very young, my mother was very like, she'd be like, you can't go outside of this house and embarrass us. (laughs) (laughs) You 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 have to look a certain way, you have to present a certain way. And so all of that was branding, but I didn't know it by that name, right? It was that you have to understand that people will Make assumptions about you, whether you are curating that assumption or not, and so you might as well curate that assumption. You should right. show up right. in this in spaces the way you want to be seen and the way you want people to regard you. So I've known that kind of that line has been all throughout my life. Like my mom would be like, if you go outside with like ashy lips, that's not gonna work. <laughs> you you have to at least have your face a little shit and your lips like not dry, which is a good. I mean, I'm glad you remember that, Diana, because. When I was working with law students and also lawyers, you know, I met a lot of lawyers um, during the time with Paulson, and, and obviously at the schools, and they would say, "Well, Paula, you talked about this at this event, and you talked about this. This like, what's your honorarium? Like, what do you, what do you get paid?" And I was like, "What's what's the honorarium? What are you oh talking about?" I was, like, they, I was like, "They pay you. They what? <laughs> they pay you to do this? Exactly. I was like, there's a budget for this,' and so it was my side gig that I would speak at firms and organizations because people would ask me to. They'd be like, okay, you come talk to our women's group or' Black affinity group, or our partners. And I would just go because I have always wanted to have impact. And mm-hmm. any person who, if I can talk to one person and change their mind or have them think about something differently, even if that something is themselves, then they go out and then share that, right? Like I want to be and always have wanted to be a catalyst. And so again, one day I came home, it was Halloween, came home to my husband again, and I was like, hey, I quit. He's like, why do you keep doing this? (laughs) Um, But that was now 11 years ago. So this Halloween will be 11 years ago where I quit and said, I'm not, I want to bet on myself. I want to work for myself. And I know that I can do it because the person who I know I can trust is me and my effort and my skill set and my knowledge, all of that is my piece. And so if no one else, I don't want anybody else to tell me what to do. I want to be the one who gets to shape things and being within organizations. You're kind of limited by how much change you can make because of the systems and structures that exist, right? And so I was like, well, if it's my own system, my own structure, then if I don't like it, I don't have to do it. And I can go in and talk the talk and do the things and then leave if I need to, or keep working with folks if I need to, because I have agency. And let's just keep it real. As a Black woman, to think, one, I have power. Number two, I'm going to have impact. And number three, I'm going to be able to eat. (laughs) <laughs> and all of that is it was scary, but not so scary. My husband has a good paying benefit job. I was like, I know I'm not gonna be hungry. And I also know I'm gonna have healthcare. So right. it it was a risk, but it wasn't too big of a risk. And it's the best, best risk I've ever taken. And I continue to take every day. I love to eat what I kill, and I love, love, love to be able to direct what I need to direct in order to make the impact that I want. So so that that's how I came into the space of doing consulting and speaking full time.
0: So let me talk about impact, right? Because yeah. I think I want our listeners to know that Diana and I were talking about this podcast for quite a while and you had launched your podcast, which we will get into in a minute because it's a great broadcast. And you were at CCWC. Yes. you said, And Diana was telling you about our podcast and you at the airport. Her. <laughs> at the airport, and you said, just do it. Like, just go do it. And so she came back and said, because to give you the personalities, I'm not a perfectionist. Diana is, right? So she came back and she said, I ran into Paula and Nicole was there too. And mm-hmm. she said, they told she told me, I just need to go do it. And I was like, let's do it. And so we launched ours. So thank you. So you had impact in that space. <laughs> so in 15
1: days. In like less than fifteen days, yes. I, Like it was just like Paula just came up there and she just took her little like lighter and I just went up into flames. After <laughs> there you that. go, blazing ember, blazing nice. ember. So, yeah. Tell us
0: about your podcast, Branding ah, Group Only.
2: So yes, so I I have been known by several labels in my life and including lawyer, including diversity and inclusion consultant, inclusion profession, including professional development, speaker and consultant, including catalyst, all of those things. And throughout all of that, to you, to my point earlier, I have been passionate about, I have been an advocate for and a purveyor of navigating your personal brand. And so I was like, you know what? I want to bring this conversation to other people because so many people think of, oh, brand brand is, is a commercial. Like I'm not a product what's a personal brand or they think it's bragging or yeah. they just don't understand that your personal brand is not just what you say about you is what other people say about you but it's how you bring your magic to the world whatever that magic is you can have the exact same resume as somebody else but that person cannot navigate the world the way you do because of your brand and i was like well imagine if i was able to talk to a whole bunch of people at one time and have that conversation take off. And that's a podcast for me. And so mm-hmm. I decided to create Branding Room Only so that people can come into the Branding Room and talk about how they built their personal brand, what their, their perceptions are about branding, what questions they have, what advice that they have, so that the concept of personal branding becomes less so sort of over there and much more personal because you see how it aligns with that person's trajectory Mm-hmm. And then you can think about how you can take the things that they have said and what we've had in our conversation and incorporate it into your own space, so that you can light that match, right? To be that magic and go out and change the world. Go blaze that ember. Blaze um. that ember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think it's so important. So, like, I've been fortunate for the last, you know, few years to work with people who are in sales, mm-hmm. right? And that's a very different world obviously than being a lawyer, right? We do we I mean in the for, for like some part of it I'd say right because at the end of the day, especially if you have your own practice or you're a consultant or something, you're selling too, right? Mm-hmm. But there's it's just much more open when you're in sales, right? Because you're mm-hmm. selling the product, right? You're thinking of this thing. And the way that I've been the the one of the g- guess best perspectives I've seen on branding when it comes to a, an object is mm-hmm. about Making your brand is about cutting through a conversation so that when I meet somebody, right, so I meet you, Paula, Mm -hmm. and you have heard of me and you've heard of my brand. Mm We don't have to sit there and go through of, this is what Diana does. You Mm -hmm. just already know who I am, right? I've already kind of provided and cut through some of the talk. And just gotten through to the what the essence of our conversation needs to be, right? That's what a brand does. And it would, it's the same thing in advertising, right? If you know that this product has this brand and it's a top selling brand, it's, it's because the product has already been
2: conveyed. The, the, it's the right. it's, it's yes and, it's yes and, right? Because Diana, if, I, if I don't know you and you are not able to tell me who you are, and so that I can understand what your brand is, then that's still a challenge, right? So the way you just mentioned it is it's that you've already built your brand. like enough so that I can know that brand message and I can run with it. But if you are unable to share what your brand is, know what your skill set is, and be able to sort of put that out in whatever way, whether that's the elevator pitch in your resume, your bio, your LinkedIn, whatever, then that's where the challenge is. And I love the point about how it connects with, the an experience and what you, you you're going to expect because when I align this, I always say Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. Now I don't want anybody messaging me about how it's not good for you. I don't want to hear that. First <laughs> of all, I love Coca-Cola because it's been consistent my entire life. The brand, though, I know what I'm going to expect. It is not the same as something else, right? It's not you know zero cola. It is Coca-Cola. And right. when somebody brings me a Diet or Coke One, I'm mad because I want original full sugar Coca-Cola. And when you Think of yourself. You have to think of yourself as a product, and people hate that. But I'm always like, listen, you are the product of you. Even if you're not selling something like an actual other thing, you're always selling the experience of you. You're selling the opportunity of you, right? So whether you're internally wanting to get more visibility, to get to get opportunities to do different work, or to be selected for, that's still selling. Whether or not you want to think of it that way, I know that people don't like the commodification of it, but I think it's an easy way to. Understand it quickly. And if you don't think that you have a brand or that you need to think about it, think about the fact that the people who don't have brands still do. They're just not ones that people care about. They're just not ones that are able to navigate (laughs) in a certain way. And I'm like, no matter what, you have one, so you might as well own it. So I wanted to, to, to bring that back because I know there are going to be some people who are listening who are like, oh, well, I am in-house and I do these things so I don't need to worry about my brand. I'm like, yes, you do. Because yeah, people are going good. to talk about you, about whether you should be on this panel, whether you should write this article, yes. whether we want to you know, put you on this board and that's still your brand. So that part. I, we- I,
1: think, I think that's true, right? As long as yes. it aligns with who you are and what your goals are, right? There are some yes. people who are perfectly cappy and being in the space they're in, whether that's small or large and just never want to move. And that's that's fine. Right. That's what they want to do. But there I think you're right that if it's if you want to play in larger spaces, right, the
2: the brand is essential. Right. If you, you want to stay in any space. Your brand is essential. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's if, true. Yes. It's, it's yes. Listen, yes. no matter what. And so if I want anybody to listen to this right now not prioritizing your brand in whatever way like i'm not telling you got to be out with a billboard and what What i'm saying not actually thinking about what you want and who you are is you are number one disrespecting the magic that you have i believe that every person is a miracle like, he, like the, the process of us even getting on into the space and then being there is magical and so understanding that you have magic whoever you are and then saying if i want to stay in this small space fine but thinking about how you do so. And if you want to go in bigger spaces, what do you need to do? And how do you need to show that in order to get there? And that is essentially why it's important. No matter what you want to do, you want to know, choose as opposed to having it chosen for you. I
1: think that's fair. That's a fair point, Paula. I think you're right. Even if you want to say you do have to do the exercise of figuring out who you are, even in that space and how you're going to stay there, if that's what your goal is. That's right. So- Go ahead, Maria. Yeah. So I wanted to
0: kind of bring that to a little bit to today, right? And kind of address people of color, right? Right now, we are in a space where DEI is being attacked, right? Where the view is everyone has to be treated the same, which gets away from the concept of equity. Mm -hmm. So in this world where DEI is sort of being subsided, right? How does branding help you cut through that? Because I see branding as a way to ensure that you're still seen, you're still visible.
2: So that's first of all, that's a great question. I there's a couple of things there. Mm-hmm. Let me address it in two parts. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that DEI is being attacked because that's what's happening. Yes. So often, what I am hearing is there's a backlash, and I'm like, it's not a backlash; it's an attack. Right? It is folks saying that enough already with us trying to get to equity. We don't want to do this anymore. And for all kinds of reasons, Reasons, but particularly, and for those of you, I'm going to use some words that I know that when I do training, I explain what these words, I'm not going to do it in full right now, but I'm going to say it's because of the impact of systemic racism, mm-hmm. right? Essentially the experience worldwide that we have had. And given that it's Black History Month, et cetera, and talking about the impact of transatlantic slave trade, and what that has meant for throughout the world, that the closer that you are to blackness, whatever that range is, whatever ethnicity you are, it lessens your value in terms of, of, your, of the perception of, of because of white supremacy. Again, another term that some people are going to hear, I'm going to be like, oh, Paul is talking about something that's uncomfortable. Yes, I am, because it has these systems and these structures have been built to make sure that people stay minimized, right? And so to your point about how a brand can impact that, I will say it can to a point, right? There are individuals who can have individual success and can have individual impact, but that does not shift the collective impact of systemic racism where banking, housing, food access, all of these things are impacted. Education educate. Right. Thank you. Exactly, Maria. Educate. Like all of these things have been systemically removed. or ta- And I'm sorry, I have to also talk about in the prison system in our country as well. Like wow. all of those things are, right, that if the closer that you are, either you're Black, Brown, they impact you more detrimentally. And that while we all have our individual experiences, and so I want you all to understand, what I'm not saying is that if you are white, that your life is easy. I'm not saying that at all. You need to hear me. and want people to say that. What I'm saying is that our individual experiences don't override the fact that systemically we are challenged. And so to the point of people of color, yes, 100%. But I can never, even as a child of immigrants, my family is from Barbados and Jamaica, come and talk about this within the United States primarily and say and not say that we have all been impacted by right. systemic racism, yes. right? We, you know, we started to briefly touch upon this in our pre-conversation, but the impact of, of racism within Latino culture has meant that colorism has challenged interactions deeply. Think about it. I am. i have I've traveled to many places where folks have been like, oh, well, I know that you're dark, but you're not like the other people. But well. they have said that to me. I'm just like... <laughs> What what other people? What, what is, is happening people? here? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's perceptions. It's societally what you see. Like we have so much challenge right now, but for and I'm going to swing it back to your initial question, Maria. This attack comes from now. There's actually there, there was shifts that were actually starting to happen. where changes being made, and then those and then it was like, oh, if these changes get made, then what will that mean for us? It's a very minimalist. It's a very there's only a one pie and there's not only enough for us here. And if somebody else gets something, that means that I don't get. And I don't believe in that as a, a zero-sum game. It's, it's not zero-sum game at all. But when you have been impacted and detrimental or not detrimentally by your privilege, then when someone starts to say, let's work on equity, then it feels like you are being taken. Things are taken away from you, right? It feels like you are losing if other people gain when in fact, I can tell you, and I'm saying this to all of you, all votes rise when we do better by all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Which is why, right, this kind of activism through branding, right, and through the podcast, both yours and ours, is so important yes. because we are basically doing, undoing, the negative brand that has put just on color and our origin, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you, I don't know, if you just put like, you just masked who I was and you were just hearing my voice, there's enough, or my words, I should say, there's enough impact there that it shouldn't matter to you what I look like, right?
2: In a a real world. (laughs) It, It shouldn't, it shouldn't. And to that end, I wanted to get to a place where that No matter what you look like, your value is not based on that, right? To to your point. And you're right. The more that you have people who counter stereotypes in the spaces, that is a part of branding, right? Where if, you know, you have been raised that X people are X way, but then you find an example that is not that, then you have to then question. I always say you have to start your process of unlearning some of the things that you know for sure. I, I can, you know, tell you my family was from Jamaica. They, Jamaica has a lot of challenges in terms of some of the ethos and culture that people believe in and are taught. And I had to unlearn a lot mm-hmm. and people are like, Whoa, well, I don't, well, a lot of folks, I think black folks across the spectrum are the same. I'm like, they're not, because yeah. we all the systemic them, bring it back again, also impacts us within our own communities too. Right. And so some of the brand and some of the perception we have to challenge amongst ourselves as well in order to get better. But when thinking about why this work is important, when no one is going to ask me if I'm a lawyer, no one's going to ask me if I have a podcast when they pull me over. Yeah, right? if I get, right? They're just going to see the color, which triggers biases immediately. So the more that we have opportunities to shift perception and shift stereotypes to have a a sort of global wave of change, the better it is for all of us where that initial perception is not challenged or bad. It it at least gives the opportunity for the person in the individual space to show up in their individual way versus having the weight of all of people of color that look like them being impacted there. And, And it's hard work. I work with organizations where I say, you know what? We have to do work as leaders, to understand that sometimes you're not giving feedback to someone because they look different than you. We have to do work as administrators to understand that sometimes opportunities are not being given because people are given in this. Not always. Sometimes it is, but it's not always conscious. Right. But it's Mm -hmm. still happening. So, Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah.
0: You're singing my song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So from the podcast, right? So let's suppose I, uh, let me, not even just the podcast, but just from your work, mm-hmm. I'm a person who's sitting here listening and going, well, oh, I haven't branded myself, right? And look, Latinos ha- are taught mm-hmm. to be humilde, which means you you kind of, you're humble, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. You don't brag, you don't boast, you do good work and someone's going to notice it, right? And that doesn't work, right? And it takes some people a while to figure out that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you give to somebody who has not branded
2: themselves? How should they start? You have to start by knowing who you are. So, branding always starts with self-awareness and self-assessment. So, in order to should be strategic about your self-promotion and your brand, you have to know what your skill set is, what your impact has been, what people are saying about you, what you want for folks to say about you. And that requires some self-reflection. And I have to say, it's hard for people to do that right? To sit down and say, who am I? I have an exercise that I do when I'm doing, I'm teaching people about branding. I say, describe yourself in three words or phrases. And then I say, how would your colleagues describe you in three words or phrases? Mm. And it's always different. Yes. And right. And so if that is the case, you have to get to what you want the answer to be, like that middle ground or beyond. And it's challenging because that strategy, the strategic piece does not really happen. My mother used to say, Paula, you can be the wind or you can be the leaf. Mm. And that means that the leaf may get to where you want to go, but the wind decides, the wind drives where you're going. And so I think of that wind as strategy, right? If I'm going to say, no, I'm not just going to go wherever I go. I'm going to decide where I'm going to go. That changes the trajectory, even if you don't get there in the same, but you are still deciding and you have to know who you are, and what you want to do in order to do that. That's why annually I do an intention and goal setting session for anybody who wants to participate because I just know that when we all collectively say, okay, what do I want? Who am I? And then what do I want to do? It happens. People think that they do it all the time, but they don't. If you're not actually writing it down, if you're not actually declaring, this is what I want, you're you're not doing the process of putting the intention out and then documenting it. Like for for those of you who are lawyers, it's like making a contract with yourself, right? Saying like- (laughs) This is I, am. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Well, that it's why sense. I make people choose the word of the year, it's like an ongoing contract. So, my word of the year is joy. I solidify that contract. I have on my calendar every morning what's your joy story? So, I look at that thing on my calendar. We all know our calendars run our life. I look at it and I go, What brought me joy yesterday? What's going to bring me joy yeah. today? I love that. So, you're looking at it every day. I operationalize it. I look at it, so I have a vision board that's on my wall that I look at, and I and when I'm traveling, it is. But I put it's on my phone so I can look at it.
1: Right, it, it's, it's it is a, str- a life strategy. Like I think some people don't see how much like a corporate strategy mm-hmm. can be a life strategy, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if you're running a company, right? Setting aside the fact that you do run a company, Paula, yeah. but like you're, <laughs> you know, I, but even before you had your company, right? You were strategizing your life, right? How do I get this idea off the ground? How do I get from point A to point B? And you have to be relentlessly prioritizing and focusing on something. And the way you manage to do it is focusing on a word. Maybe people have three goals right for the year or something, but it's so important to really, you know, realize how much that really has to be a part of your daily life. It's not something that you do just, oh, once a month you think about this joy word. It's not going to happen otherwise. You really do have to focus on it. And I want to point, as somebody who attended Paula's session this year, so I don't think I've attended other sessions that you've held on DE and leadership, but I haven't, I had not attended your class at the beginning of the year, if you want to call it that, I, I don't know. And this, it was, So moving because it takes so much personal work to get to the point where you find the word, right? I mean, I sat there listening to Paul. I think it was two hours, Paula. Yeah, Yeah, two hours. Mm -hmm. Right? I cried a little. Yep. Yep. I'll be honest. And I think I texted you, Maria. I was like, I think I cried. Yes. I cried, you you forgive yourself, you let go of the things you didn't do the year before, you refocus and you find that word. And I'll share my word. My word for the year has been education because Mm. it's literally in everything that I do, Mm. in my job, in this podcast, in I started teaching at Fordham, it's everything. I'm even educating myself on how to educate. That's how much education is in the top of my mind with my kids at home, my family life. It is just my focus for the year. And mm-hmm. every single day, I mm-hmm. think about it. Like, what is my plan for the month? What am I going to learn? How am I going to learn it? How am I going to teach it? How am I going to share it?
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. And
1: it was a beautiful session. I don't know if it's still available online. Paul. Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. So everybody, it's on YouTube. I keep it up the whole year until I get a new one. So it's on YouTube. Go to to Paula Edgar. Look, to, look me up on YouTube. Or go to my website, and it's in under resources, I think. Go to my website anyway. PaulaEdgar.com, and it is there because it is my annual gift to the world of to prioritize themselves. So I know that if I have accountability, which is another way that you can get your goals and say that I know people are gonna be waiting for me to do this, that it makes that I'm gonna do it. So then I have a process and I'm, I know I'm gonna get it done by then. If not, then I might deprioritize it. So I use that. But I've done it now, six, seven, I, mean, I used to do it in person and I've done virtually. I've done it now for probably seven or eight years. And the stories, you have no idea about some of the intentions that have been met, people have gotten married, people have gotten divorced because that's what they wanted to do. People have had (laughs) children, people have gotten jobs, people have gotten raises, they have been on television. There is a powerful thing to say this is what I want. And I'm going to tie this back to Black History for a moment because I always think to myself, Guy, like, like Rosa Parks was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a part of this strategy. I'm gonna get on this bus, right? Like Harry Tubman was like, I'm going back to go get them. Like uh, insert right. anybody else in Black Kids, and Shirley Chisholm again, Brooklyn, and, and government said, I am going to run for president. Yep. And all of that is saying, despite my current station, I want to change the world. Yeah. And that is how I do that. I say, Every time somebody comes to me and go, Paula, you told me this thing, or you mentored me back in the day, or you made sure I passed, whatever, that's impact because they're going to go and change the world. And if we all just thought to ourselves, what can we just do to make, it can't be just about us. It has to be about how our brand should always be, how we impact us in order to impact the world. And it sounds big and it sounds like my nickname is Pollyanna. Anna. (laughs) <laughs> but it it is, it's true. Like we all, every, like Diana, if I hadn't seen you in the airport, right? Like who knows if you would have <laughs> longer. And that's what I mean. What I mean is that we have to, we are all catalysts for each other yes. and we need to cheerlead for each other across race, across gender, across, like to the collective of humanity to say We're going to do this better and we're going to all be better because we do that. And if we just all realize that our brands can be catalysts in all of our different spaces, then we can change the world, then we would. Instead, and I give us all a little bit of grace because we're all still coming out of a pandemic that has tremendous trauma on us all. But self focus, solely self focus, because I do believe in some self focus, but solely self focus is not going to be how we win. It's not going to be how we succeed. We have to to realize a collective. And at this time, I love that I'm doing this podcast because there's often like an us versus them in so many different communities of color. And I'm like, it is not us versus them. It is all of us for all of us. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm.
0: and we have to get past that. And we sort of don't know how to. We're so stuck in I am this and I am. Th- I mean, even within mm-hmm. Latinos, right? If you're from Cuba, you don't talk to somebody who's from this country. If you're Dominican, you don't really like the Puerto Ricans. I mean, it's this kind of division that I would call also systematic racism, right? Which of we course, are doing yes. ourselves of to divide ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to unlearn it. Going back to yes. Paula's point, you have to unlearn
2: these this misinformation. That we have been fed. Yeah. No, it's bad. bad. And we have to not just unlearn it, but to your point about educate Diana, we have to make sure that our children, our nieces and nephews, like our godchildren, I am the the proud madrina of two Puerto Rican divas. uh, We have to teach them that some of the things that we knew for sure are not true. Yeah. Right. That they are things that we've been fed that don't have to be true, that we can collectively do the things and make the magic.
0: So... So Paula, this has been an amazing conversation and I could talk to you for hours and you know that. And we probably have a couple times. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you kind of what we ask all of our guests, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of towards the end. What makes your Ember Blaze? Because we are, after all, Blazing Ember podcast.
2: Question: mm-hmm. What makes my Ember Blaze is seeing the tangible results of my work, Mm. my interactions with people of the impact that I've had, whether it's individual stories of individuals who have found their voice and understand their brand, or whether it's some of the transformational work that I've done with DEI and professional development within organizations, mm. all of that is towards a broader like shift towards being more inclusive in our society. And that is what places my ember. <laughs> Yeah.
1: That was beautiful. Thank you. And I want to say Paula and to our members if you ever are blessed to be in Paula's presence, just consider yourself lucky. Aww. Because she will either she'll do so, she'll impact you in some way. And I think both Maria and I think we were coming up with the podcast idea around the same time. We never talked about it again because of my perfectionist <laughs> way. Also, because of my own issues with branding. Like I remember Maria, the day we launched, I was like, I wanted like go in a hole. Like I don't think- <laughs> I a, He was like, oh my God, it's out there. I was like, yeah, it's out there. <laughs> and I had so many hurdles to overcome. And not that I needed the permission, but when I told you and you came and you just- just gave me like a big bucket of courage and love and helped me get through the hurdles. It was it was just a matter of days. And I think that if somebody opens their heart and their ears, right, and their mind to listen to the message that you bring in so many different spaces, so much can be achieved. I really do mean that, Paula. And so thank you for bringing your joy to my life. I, I am mm-hmm. blessed to know you. I am thankful and I am so supportive of all the work that you do. And I cannot wait to see
2: where you will continue to shine. Really do mean it. Well, thank you both for having me on. And I love you both. And I can't wait for everybody to hear us continue to, to drive joy and impact. And if you have not listened to the Branding Room Only podcast, I encourage you to do so. And all of you go visit PaulaEdgar.com because that's my third baby and I love it. <laughs>
0: Excellent. So please go sign up. Also on LinkedIn, Paula has a newsletter. Uh, You can subscribe to it. It's also amazing newsletter. So please help us support Paula as she continues to make this
1: world a better place. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Blazing Ember podcast and our journey to empowerment. Look out for more episodes to keep your Ember blazing. Visit BlazingEmber.com where
0: you can connect with us and share your feedback. Hasta pronto.